Hey guys, it's Ethan from Love Extremist Radio. We're living in a crazy time in history as this global pandemic spreads. Some of us have seen a massive increase in work responsibilities and life challenges. Others have seen a quieting down. If you're like me, you're looking to connect with community and find creative inspiration. With that vision in mind, I'll be publishing some of my favorite creators' work through Love Extremist Radio as bonus episodes. I hope you enjoy this additional programming from the Love Extremist community, and please share if you do. I'm Phil America, artist and activist, and this is Conversations with Creativity. We're going to spend about an hour talking to a different creative every episode. It's meant to be casual, almost as if you're sitting in the living room with us. My next guest is Aaron Kanata. Aaron is an award-winning songwriter, producer, musician, and co-owner of Cove City Studios in New York. Aaron recently signed to Warner Chapel Facet House. We crack into his youth, growing up with a father who played and toured with Billy Joel and the Beach Boys, and later into his work with artists such as Demi Lovato, Paul Simon, Timbaland, and more. Aaron, so take me all the way back to the very beginning. You you started in music when you were two years old, right? Yeah, I've... Uh... <laughs> I've uh, been doing music for a very, very long time. I grew up in a, a musical household, and um, my uh, my my dad is the saxophonist for Billy Joel and the Beach Boys, and uh, it's been uh, a crazy ride, to say the least. Um, I grew up in the recording studio, and ever since then, I uh, really had the bug, and uh, I just have never really had a job since because of it, because... Um, uh, writing songs since I was a little kid and being mentored by Carl Wilson and Billy Joel himself and just like kind of learning that just how it went at that high level I just was always into it and uh, at 16 years old I uh, got a really large placement uh, of one of my songs that I wrote on a show called Dawson's Creek and mm-hmm. after that, I never really are the checks still coming for that. Say it again. But are the checks still coming for that? They are coming. They, the, in Japan, it's still a thing apparently. So that's a that's a really wonderful thing. But I mean, so okay. So in the beginning, you were you were touring. You were running around the world with these incredible musicians and learning from them. Yeah, basically, just just they were my mentors. I mean, I had. Um, since I can remember, I had, you know, people that were really large in the music industry, you know, like me, like, liked having me around and, uh, kind of, you know, me being a little kid, but but asking the right questions and, and being legitimately interested in, and wanting to change the world and why trying to uncover why songs make us feel certain ways and just certain things that I was just always kind of like really, wanted to know more about. I was a sponge of knowledge and I wanted it, it always revolved around music and songs and lyrics and chords and all of these things that were just kind of just synapses in my mind firing off, you know? So and were you learning things from your dad as well? Oh, of course. Yeah. My dad is one of my biggest, you know, influences. Um, but he's a, he's from an age of, uh, a music, he's a musician, you know, it's, it was different than as, as I am today as a songwriter and producer, you know, it's, uh, he was always there for different reasons than I am now today. And just kind of seeing how the industry has changed and still talking with him on a daily basis about how things have changed are kind of interesting because he's an old school guy and I'm a new school guy and we have our disagreements, but at the end of the day, whatever we agree upon is usually this really beautiful, you know, median of, and, you know, meeting of the minds type of, you know, decision or idea that we come up with. So it's kind of a beautiful thing. Right. I mean, you have to learn from the old to, to go into the new anyway. So for sure, for sure. But so, I mean, you moved from there into your own space, started making your own music and then went to NYU, right? Yep. And at, is this right? You were the first person accepted into uh, Clive Davis? That is correct. Whoa. What was that like? Um, it, it was 
an experience to say the least when I arrived uh, at NYU that they, you know, they, whoever was in charge of building the studio was like, Oh, we'll build a studio. And they were used to building dance studios, which are just basically rooms with mirrors in them. And when we arrived, me and a few of my classmates, they were still putting paint on the walls and they weren't ready. And they're like, Oh, you know, oh, don't move down, go down, go down. Don't, don't go up the elevator. So it was, it was kind of a wild experience. The first year I was there, they put me in all these professional studios that were still open in Manhattan. And, uh, I got to literally from growing up in a recording studio, move directly to, uh, the biggest recording studios in Manhattan without blinking an eye and learning that because it wasn't ready, but it actually worked out in our favor. It was pretty amazing. And I had all these ideas about NYU. I had, I, while I was there, I was kind of, I, I, I wanted, I, I started to become really obsessed with songs and, and all of the things. It was always about music, but I really started to understand what made me tick. And it was the song. It was, you know, the marriage of the melody, the lyrics, the rhythms, uh, the production. Um, that to me was, was the thing that kept me going. So I had all these ideas that I really wanted to uh, kind of, you know, pay it forward to, to my to my professors and to the deans and stuff like that, uh, which is the nice way of me saying that I complained to the deans about change. And, um, and uh, it, it ended up being for the better because when I graduated after touring for a handful of years, I was able to kind of do that. They gave me the keys to that. And I became kind of my family. The Clive Davis Institute became kind of my, my kind of my second home where they were like, okay, you think you could do it better, do it. Um, which allowed me to, you know, develop, you know, very serious curriculum, uh, on a mm -hmm. collegiate level, which is really amazing. And I mean, so after that you started teaching, right? I did. Yeah. I had, um, a, a few things that I really wanted to do. I started, um, I started, uh, uh, with, with my wife, who's my, my now wife, Kristen, who, uh, this, this program for the boys and girls club of America called song sounds of a new generation, where we found grants and put recording little tiny recording studios in boys and girls clubs and wow. was really amazing. And this was, this was even before the NYU thing, even though, I was obsessed with songs so much that I was writing syllabuses just kind of to write them as, as, as fun as that sounds. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I, um, so this kind of taking some inner city kids and showing them that music can be made at this level, not just school band. And a lot of the towns we were in, they were, they were eliminating school band programs anyways. So they didn't have any music to kind of rest their, you know, their talents on. So, um, it was a really inspiring, you know, moment starting that program and putting those studios in there and putting some musical instruments in there and watching these kids that are pretty young, just really thrive and realize that this is something that they want to do. Right. And, and this, this wasn't just New York city, right? This is all around. Yeah. This is, this was New York. This is Long Island. This is, you know, uh, around that tri-state right. area. And, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it was just really exciting to see, uh, to see just the development of those kids and just the way that they were accepting and, and thriving with that. Like it was just so fun. And, you know, we were having a lot of fun and then I, I brought them to my studio for individual like classes, uh, about recording. So they learn how to make the studio. So whoever was seriously interested, we, we had a, uh, a grant funded, uh, program that they would come to my studio and I would show them anything that they wanted to learn, you know? So and, why music? What was it? What was the reason you chose music as the vehicle to, to help these kids? You know, for me, I've, I've never been, uh, it, it, music is, it's universal. You know, um, no matter what age, uh, where you're from, you know, uh, your upbringing, anything, um, we can all speak to each other with music, you know, and mm -hmm. sometimes it just like, just like a normal dialect it's sometimes it can come off. One dialect can come off a little bit more harsh than a romantic language, but the end of the day, 
that is communication and that is a good way of expressing yourself. And I think that that's really important for, for the youth's mental health and for all of us, for all of us to be able to, to, to talk about it. And I used to write songs because I didn't know how to talk about things. So it was a way for me to tell kids that they could, they could release this via music and they could talk via music and you can make up stories via music and no one's going to say anything about you. You can create fiction. You can create the most deepest truth and, and pretend it isn't. Um, it's, it's, it's something that's beautiful about that where there is no, that still is the case of no, there's no judgment there of what you create and what you, what art you make is your communication. And it doesn't, that it is what it is, whatever you want it to be, it ends up being, you know? Right. So I mean, you a little bit before, sorry to cut you off, but no, I just yeah. wanted to, I want to kind of zoom backwards really quick. And I wanted to ask you, I mean, you, you were saying your dad was really a traditional musician, you know, someone sure. performing, someone getting all the accolades out and out front and center, um, him and all the folks he was around at that time. And I know you perform and I've, I've seen you perform, but generally you're behind the scenes. You're like actually making the songs, writing the lyrics, working with people, some of which nobody even knows that you're working with. What, what was it that made you kind of want to be behind the scenes when it came to music? Well, when I had my teenage success, we'll call it, um, I toured for years trying to be an artist. I, I mean, not trying to be, I mean, I was, I, it was, it was wild. It was opening up for, you know, people that were really big at the time to a lot of people. I was, I was, uh, playing really great venues and traveling the, the country and it, it was amazing. Um, but I lost a lot of years of my life just promoting the same songs. And I always, I, I lost a lot of years of my life too, just, but by just getting into what I was getting into, you know, the road life is not, is not kind, you know? Um, I think everybody that knows anything about music has an idea of the road life. Yeah. And, and even if you don't, it's, it is still pretty wild, even at a lower level, it's still pretty wild. And I, I still have a crick in my neck from all the traveling I did, you know, uh, you're not still traveling. Every time I talk to you, you're on a plane. Going oh somewhere. yeah. I'm still, I'm still traveling, but at least I've moved up like three rows. <laughs> um, not all the way, but I moved up. A few. You're but, um, yeah, point. exactly. I'm like the medium, but, um, but, uh, the, the, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was, it was time for me to, me going back on what I was saying was uh, communicating and talking and venting and mental health and all of those things. It, it is, it was a large part of that. Um, I had more story to tell than what was just my story. If that makes any sense. Right. Um, I could be a vessel for other people to ter- tell their story. Uh, I also have a lot of things that are on my mind and I would love to pretend to be someone else some days. And, um, that allowed me to do that. Being behind the scenes allowed me to explore myself and explore concepts and explore uh, non-traditional things um, for, to to exercise my mind basically. And um, being able to do that, I realized that that's where I've always wanted to be. It wasn't as being an artist, although that's fun at times. And I like playing shows and making people feel good for an hour or two. And, but for me, my value, I realized my worth in helping others was, was being in the studio and creating and crafting with my hands and playing every instrument that I can get my hands on and, uh, nerding out with gear and signal flow and just all these things that I love. And was there somebody back then that was doing something similar, like especially in your youth, that you saw? Okay, I could do it that way instead of my dad's way. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I was the I was in, in essence no. Um, there was no there was no young engineer producer idols that I could look up to. They were all old guys, you know. Right, and doing it the old way. Doing it the old way. So. I I never thought that I was changing anything and I never thought that I was doing anything that they weren't doing. 
But looking back, I was. All the arguments that I had with all these older producers and engineers, you know, and all these people it made sense now what I was what I was talking about. I was trying to do it in a new modern way, but have my end result be something that's beautiful and, you know, modern, you know? And um so I didn't realize it at the time, but it, but I did but now I know it's like, oh wow, like, you know, <laughs> I I was able to kind of cross that line unknowingly from artist to producer to engineer to doing that, that now people are, that's common knowledge that everyone does everything, you know, because they're able to do it because programs have gotten easier uh, and more intuitive uh, where you can kind of sit home and, and do that. I, I did that in a major recording studio uh, really cutting my teeth and it ruffled people's feathers at the time. And I didn't realize that. Love that though. You gotta, you gotta push back. I mean, of course, seems like that's what you did at NYU. That's what you do in, in the music just, industry. And yeah, I just thought everybody was just being like whack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, wow, they need to get their, their act together. You know, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, now you, I mean, since then all the way up till now, you've written for huge people, Demi Lovato, Fifth Harmony, Timbaland, so many incredible people. A lot of people who I'm, I'm sure we shouldn't name, but um, yeah. what what is the writing process like? I mean, you talk, you touched on it a little bit, but you're you're pulling something out of somebody, and you're giving more than just yourself. You're giving sure. who they are, and I mean, yeah. how is what's that process like for somebody who doesn't know anything like what? Sure, I mean, well, yeah, it's it's a it's very interesting. Um, each song is a fingerprint, you know. Every 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 process is completely different from the next um, is the first thing that I can say is that, is that it never really happens the same way twice. It is never in a million years that I've been doing it. It, it it's never been the, exactly the same. It's always, there's always something new. There's always some drama. There's always some, um, some sort of different chill that I get some, some sort of um, something. Um but I, what I would tell you, just like kind of just the general how it goes, is you know um, there's people that that write that can write full songs all by themselves. Um, now people are getting credit where they normally didn't get credit back then because that's what's happening now. I think there's kind of a misnomer. When you say credit, you mean like credit on the song, writing, right? yeah, like writing credit and you know production credit and and engineering credit. Now people are getting those credits where normally they wouldn't have, and I think there is a misnomer that you know, oh, it took ten people to write this song. Well, you're, you know what? I got to be honest. Like if we looked back at the Led Zeppelin sessions or whoever, you would have said if they would have known then that the producer could have gotten writing credit or this and that. And it's like, there would have been a lot more names on that record, you know? Right. And um, I think that that's actually a really beautiful thing now that people are being recognized. Um, now, that being said, there's so many different types of people. There's top liners that just write uh, lyrics and melody. There's, you know, track guys that make beats. Uh, there's like old school producers that are able to, you know, to, to write music out and kind of arrange it. There's, um, and where I lie is I like to do more organic things. I play a, a boatload of instruments and um, it keeps me sane. And what I do, my, my process is usually playing one of those instruments, guitar, piano, something that's inspiring. Um, and, you know, try to catch a vibe with the people that I'm in the room with. It's mostly always a collaboration so that you can get the best song, you know, of course people can write songs by themselves, but it's good to have checks and balances. And, um, you know, you kind of push forward through that process and people just start singing, saying beautiful prose, uh, you know, saying, singing melodies, playing chords. And what I can say is when you know, it's it, and I'm not, I'm, I, I was, I went to Catholic school when I was a kid, but I, I'm, I'm not very religious, but I do believe in spirituality 
and it's the closest to anything of a higher power that I've ever experienced is when you hear the right puzzle piece hitting the other right puzzle piece in the Mm. songwriting room. And it's when you know, oh my God, that's it. Like you go, oh, shit. Oh yeah, that's it. Right. And you, and, and you can look around the room and you look in people's eyes and you can feel, you can feel their breath change. You can feel their heartbeat change. Everything slows down for a moment. And you know that whatever just happened was something that was intended to happen for a reason. Mm. And then, and then, yeah, no. And then, and then that's, that's what it is. So you're chasing that like a bad drug. Right. Over and over again. Literally because, what I was going to say. It's like, it sounds like a drug. It is. It, that's what, exactly what it is. And you're chasing that. And sometimes you could be in the songwriting process and never experience that for the day, for the song that you write. And that's okay. And it doesn't mean that song is bad. Everyone that I know is in it for that reason. You, you cut out for a second there. And whether they are able to talk about this or not, um, this is you know, that, that spirituality, so to speak, is what makes this worth it. Right. And Mm. you may find it, you may not. And it doesn't mean that songs can't be a total hit song if you don't experience that, but chasing that is the, is where it is. You know, that's the wave and that's what is create the creative process is about. It's the same, it's the same exact, thing as when someone steps back from their painting and they go yep that's it and they go i know it's the same exact thing it's this creative spirituality like aurora borealis that like just sweeps and is you can't catch it you can't it's hard to it's just there and you have to just you just have to experience it and then that's it and then it goes away and 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 then you you may or may not feel empty inside after it goes, but then again you then then after that you just now that you've seen it and you've felt it, you got to just keep going, and that's what keeps us all doing it. You know, is there ever times when it's not there, like when you have to just push through with bravado and win people over that way, or are you straightforward and say, hey, look, this isn't this isn't happening today? Um, you know. I've been in rooms that um, I've been in rooms that we've had to shut it down. I will try to make it work and it makes me very sad if we can't make it work, but um, nobody wants to be there if nobody's feeling it. So what's, what's the point, you know? Um, For me, the most important part about making music, which I've only learned later in my life is that the most important part isn't the session and writing and, getting the song done. The most important part is about building relationships with the people that you're next to. And that took me a long time to realize that that was the most important part about the music industry is developing and building and growing. And I didn't know that. And it's, that's the the craziest thing. I, I I still, to this day, I'm I'm blown away that I, I, that it took me so long to know this, you know, that, that, Actually, it doesn't matter if you write a song or not, because when you do get back together, if you if you give yourself fully to a person and show them something and you may not write a song that day, but the next day, it's very possible that you write the biggest, the biggest, the best song in the whole entire world, because you're honest with yourself and you're honest with them. And that honesty like breeds the creativity. It starts this little low lying, hot water of like, okay, what's going to happen? You know? Right. And, um, so I, I, it's, it's still, it still blows me away that that's, that's what it is. But, but now that I know it, it's kind of, it's beautiful. I, I feel free, you know, that, um, all I need to do when I show up for work is just be myself and be friendly and, and accept people as my friends and tell them my flaws and, and accept their flaws. And I and feel just, like that's a superpower too. It's just like. As well as I know you and as many times as we've worked together, it's just that your superpower is just being you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. But it's it's something that like I think I think everyone can can learn from too. It's 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 the most it's the biggest strength you have is yourself because everyone no one is as good as it as you are. 
right? It's like you are the best at that. Coming from a songwriter, (laughs) you are the best at being yourself. So it's like, why not? And you know, it's not easy either. It's you struggle with this identity crisis of like, oh, I'm supposed to write a song for this celebrity today, and it needs to sound like this. And you're like, well, how are you going to be yourself when you're supposed to act? You're acting like someone else, you know. Um, so it's, it's not a perfect science. Um, yeah. And you just have, you have to go through the motions and you have to, uh, you know, kind of just live with yourself and be yourself doing that, you know, and that's what makes it kind of fun too, at the end of the day. Right. And I mean, you're, see, you're writing for all these different artists and having to put yourself in their shoes and their head and make them feel comfortable and try to get the best out of them as well as you giving your, your true honest self. And I'm sure a lot of them are super guarded and it's hard to get the truth out of them. Is there, is there points or like pieces of advice you'd give to people to really pull the truth out of somebody? You know, um, you you could, yeah, there is, there are things that you can do. I mean, the first thing is telling, um, people your truth. In giving them your um, honest self, you know, right? Um, that, that that's that's a trick. Uh, there, there's other things like you know, I, I like self-deprecating humor. I like to joke on myself. I like to like make me the center of some sort of attention that um, makes people feel really, you know, puts their guard down. Like, oh, look at this, this guy, look at this fool over here. He's never gonna. He's never going to tell a soul. Who is he going to tell? He probably has got no friends, you know, and it's like, and it's like, and it's like, okay, good. That's, you know, step two. I've now just made you think that you can tell me anything, you know? Um, And then, you know, then it's, then it's a, then it's a dance, you know, some people are more willing. Some people aren't. I had a session with, um, uh, with somebody, I'm not going to, name any names or any states but she she was a uh pageant pageant person and uh she was classically trained in being perfect you know right and um you know after trying to write a song with her for a little while i I had to look at her and go listen nobody's gonna listen to this you know nobody nobody cares you know we can we can all hold hands and do the do the kumbaya but it's not, it's only going to speak to your privilege and it's really just not going to mean anything, you know? Um, and like, we need to know what's going on and people like flaws. They like honesty. They like, you know, and it was a really hard day to have, but we broke through and were able to, um, you know, create something that was special trying to to do this and in order to get that guard down you know you have to just start talking you have to be honest with each other and i'll be i'll be honest i'll ask people are you in love you know have you done this have you done this have you ever been here have you ever i'll just ask any question and as soon as i see some sort of flinch or some sort of different emotion or change of pace in the way they're speaking i'll go in on it and i'll go in and an extra on it and then we'll talk more about it and then all of a sudden we're talking about something that's really uncomfortable for them. And we've done this now in maybe 20 minutes and, and it's like, Oh wow. Like now what are we talking about now? Where do we go from here? And then you go, well, we have to write a song now, you know? And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's different. And of course there's some people that come in and overshare, you know, some people that come in and you have to kind of now figure out what's cool about, what they've done you know what they're saying you know you have to kind of pick you know where they where they share their oh and i did this and my boyfriend told me this and my girlfriend told me this and this and you're like okay but like what are we what do we want to talk about you know (laughs) right so i mean and is there a difference when you're writing for someone who let's say is like way more similar to you than somebody that's way different because i mean i know you write a lot right now for shia diamond who's like a black trans woman formerly incarcerated, like she's as different from you as can be. And yet you guys have such great synergy yeah. and even perform incredibly. For sure. Great. For sure. Well, first things first, Shia is my sister. She, she, her and I have, we travel all the time. We've, we've cried together. We've laughed 
till we cried together. We've uh, we've ate till we cried together. You know, mostly it ends yeah. in crying. But right. um, <laughs> but uh, no, we we she's my sister, and, and and we've learned so much from each other and about each other over these last couple of years. Um, doing that. But before that, yeah, of course, our stories were insanely different. Um, but that's, as I said before, sometimes you need some checks and balances, right? And me being a white cis male, you know, like, you know, what makes the most sense? You know, like when she's pitching song ideas and trying to write songs with me, I'm going to tell her very honestly, if someone like myself would even listen to this, you know? And there might not be a lot of common ground. But there is one common ground, and it's music. And right. what we can both agree on is that we want people to hear this, and we want people to love it. We want this song to be their song, right? So so what does that process look like? Well, she'll tell me that this is a song that I, I, I wrote this song when I was in prison, and I wanted to do this and this and that. i like, oh, that's incredible. I love it. You know, uh, let's try this. Let's try this. And, we'll, and you know, we, we sculpt it. We, we take this, you know ball of clay that she is kind of presented and we we put it in a form where it's still very true to her story and true to what she wants to say but in a palatable form for a listening public to enjoy you know um and that that's the art and sometimes that's goes from trying to craft something that's really sad and depressing sometimes it's trying to craft something that's really angry you know and um or happy or whatever but um Again, it's a fingerprint. It's always different. So, you know, sometimes it's in a hotel room and we're literally just after a show and we're talking about, you know, how she felt like she was treated by somebody that was there in, you know, in, uh, you know, Kansas City. And all of a sudden we're writing about it and she's venting to me on the record, you know, on a song. And, and we're directing and we're steering that ship without a map, you know. And sometimes it's very calculated. We're like, we want to write a song that says this today, you know? So it's amazing. And that's why I love what I do because I never am bored. I'm always feel very fulfilled and very like, Oh, this is why we do it. And I look and I step back and I listen to it and I go, Oh wow, people are going to hear this and they're going to feel this way about it. And I love that. You know, we're going to make people feel one way or another. We're going to make them either feel, you know, sad. We're going to make them feel happy. We're going to make them feel depressed. We're going to make them feel something but we're gonna make them feel i mean you're like the quintessential guy to make people feel i feel like every time uh you're around folks everybody's all in their feelings so yeah my questions are my questions i I feel like i never leave uh, my songwriting thing and i always ask the questions that get people to open up like immediately and i end up you know going to uh you know, a a cocktail party and then someone telling me about their, you know, relatives and that they haven't seen in 10 years. And it's like, okay, (laughs) you know, we're, we're, we're digging in here. Let's go. (laughs) You're like, I'm not on the clock, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. You end up being the therapist for all musicians. (laughs) (laughs) I want to switch gears a little bit real quick. Cause I, I mean, how you and I came in contact is actually really interesting. And it's, it started with kind of a, a meeting point coming from both of where we come from. Like I come from visual art, you come from music. And somehow we kind of blended those two things together and started working together. And I mean, what inspired me, which maybe you can tell a little bit about that story was actually what you won the Emmy for. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, that's, that's like my, my crazy side, other side of my brain, the dark chambers of, of art and I one of my favorite things um is I love to take these uh wild like sounds that are just not necessarily just nature but non-musical sounds and I love to find the rhythm in these non-musical sounds and 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 show people that everything has um this internal rhythm and this internal music um I believe that um, everything that you do, inanimate, nature-related, everything that's non-musical based has that heartbeat, has a rhythm, has a life, has a song inside of it. Um, and I love to speak for those sounds that don't get the recognition that they deserve. 
And what I like to do, and what we, what you, obviously you know, Phil, and what we've what we've done together before is, and what I've won the Emmy for, is taking these sounds and and crafting something that is just so out there, but it makes all the most sense when you hear it. Um, right. it's, it's almost music, but it's yeah. definitely sound art. It's sound art meets music. And um, yeah, the Emmy is with the, was for my, my good friend, Frankie Salenza, who Frankie cooks, who's who, by the way, give him a shout out is uh, saving the world right now with a series called struggle meals, which is uh, which is uh, about anything that you could find. And he's giving recipes on, um, on basically the leftover stuff at grocery stores and how to make full meals for a full family of those things. Like to get through the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. That's inspiring. Yeah. And he's, he actually has always had this show, but it's like he, uh, but it's, it's doing very well now because people are needing it more than ever. Anyway. So he's, he's a visionary in the TV show cooking world. And, um, uh, him and I decided to to do something like that and like have it sound like he's in a kitchen for his television show. And uh, then it comes together as this rhythm, this idea that I have, you know? Um, And of course it came out great and we were very excited about it. And of course it's also really wild. So I didn't even end up going to the Emmys. I just went, (laughs) I was just like, Oh, of course I'm not going to win this thing. This is ridiculous. Who everyone's going to listen to this and think it's, like this is like knives on a chopping block and a, a blender and uh and that's and, literally what it is right it's like literally sounds from the kitchen that oh you yeah I, yeah i recorded i recorded knives i recorded I, I got a 12 pack of beer and i tuned each beer to the right note um by drinking them the right amounts uh, i got um uh, a blender i got like a little like fan that like that that the, the kitchen fan, I got a couple of like can opener things. Um, just some, just some wild stuff. I had him load up his car and I recorded everything and made something out of it. <laughs> you were a evil genius. Like if you didn't <laughs> put music, the world would be in. in a huge <laughs> yeah, it was, it was wild. And, you know, and then we sat on it for a while. We didn't even know what we, what he was going to do. And then he finally got this big television deal. And, uh, and uh, it went as the theme song and the rest is kind of history. But I've been doing that. I originally thought, oh, I want to be in film and TV now because of this. And then I that I did that for one second and I realized I do not want to be in film and TV. Too many comments. I'm too weird for that where they're like, can you turn this up and turn that down and then turn this up and then turn that down? I'm like, oh, God, I can't. I can't handle it. Can't handle it. So. Uh, I needed an outlet for this really weird thing because I wasn't going to stop doing it. I've been doing it since I was a kid. I've been, you know, recording hair dryer, my mom's hair dryer for tracks, you know, for as, 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 you know, synthesizers and passing them as synthesizers for years. So I'm, uh, you know, I, I trans kind of furred that energy to, to kind of live art, you know, um, uh, where kind of an audio art experience where you can go in and if there's a thematic idea, it works really well when there's a thematic idea for uh, a museum. And right, but that's, that's where we connected. I mean, right. we had done a couple of things, smaller things before that, but I was curating that show um, at a museum that the theme was basketball and you came in and killed it. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, well, Phil, you obviously know what what you what you had designed was uh, Felipe Pantone doing a b- b- basketball court in the main uh, hall of this contemporary art museum, CAM, in Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, the whole room was decked out, and his art was absolutely incredible. And what we decided to do, you and I were going to put speakers around the room and have basketballs kind of flying around the room. It feels like it's flying around the room. And then the dribbles would, and the shot clock, and and the basketball hitting the rim, and squeaks on the floor, <clears throat> would eventually turn into something that was that, and it was very easy to do when you listen to it, when you feel that heartbeat, when you get it, when when you get what I'm what I'm going with, right? So you listen to that, and I listen to squeaks on the floor over and over again. I listen to the backboard hitting, hitting the backboard, hitting, listen to the shot clock to crowds, 
over and over again to find the rhythm. And it's all there. It's all there. It's all exciting. You can feel people's heartbeat rising as the as the uh, shot clock gets closer to expiring. And um, I wanted to give that tension. I wanted to give that tension. But <clears throat> it's tough. You can't do it every 24 seconds uh, in a museum. That would, The, the uh, program director would uh, probably lose his mind after a couple of months of that. So there guards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so um you know, you extend it out and you start with kind of a, a pickup game of basketball and you and you find the right squeak and you find the right pass, passing the rock, and you find the right this, and you find the right that and and then before you know it, you have something that feels very rhythmical and very back and forth and very wavy and has a thing and I add the few, few crucial parts, you know, at the very end, and it ends up coming together as this really beautiful piece of music that you would have never expected would be music in the first place. Right. Well, I mean, the dichotomy between music and visual art is so heavy that it's interesting how they came together so perfectly. I mean, people were blown away. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was it was pretty amazing to see the the number of people that that came out um, to enjoy that and really experience it. Um, uh, it's something that I, you know, again, I, I'm just, I'm always just so amazed by, I can't believe that this is a thing, you know, it's cause it's, cause it's something that I've always believed in, but to have other people believe in it, you're like, Oh wow. Like it is cool. Like, and it, it and it's something that really does. It, I have a lot of gratitude for that because it's a, it's an insane idea that, that not a lot of people would get, but when you experience it, you go, yo, I get this, you know? Right. And, um, it's really an amazing thing, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we did one with ginger Q that you made a, made out of installation all out of neon. You did one that was all low riders yep. for a museum show. Yep. Um, was there more you know, like I, on that level? We did, uh, we did the themes of, uh, water and fire in the, in the, in the separated rooms. Um, we have that, that, that was a really cool thing. That was, a where you walk in between the speakers and one, one room is playing, uh, footage and has art of water things called wet. Um, and the other one is fire where it's, where it's lit. And then you walk in between and they both work together. So that's kind of a cool one. Um, yeah, that one was great. That was that was even before the museum, yeah, that right? Was, yeah, yeah, that was an old yeah. one. That was an old one. But they're all fun, and and they, they they're always they always have some sort of wild element of that, you know. Um, and I always try to bring that into the pop music that I make, and try to sell it to celebrities in, in a way, <laughs> sugarcoat it, you know, and give them and give them like this like this version of it that makes sense to me and to them. Um, Is there? Is there other folks that you're inspired by, whether it's like within the art world or an author or uh, somebody who is in the culinary arts or anything? I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's a very loaded question because this is my every day is involved, just revolves around that. Um, uh, I'm very inspired by the people that I surround myself with. Um, and that is on purpose. Um, I'm very inspired by uh, my godmother, Justin Tranter. Um, who has written numerous number one hits, who has taken me under his wing to, um, you know, to, to do music at an insane level um, with him and for him and his companies. Um, but I think the biggest inspiration that I do draw, and this is not a lie, it is the people that I work with. Um, uh, I've always been a believer of surround yourself with people that make you better. And whether it's you, Phil, or whether it's uh, Justin, or whether it's just, you know, my, my actual peers like that, that are just writing songs with me that day, um, they do inspire me and their stories really do inspire me and their honesty inspires me and, and the way that they're able to talk about their feelings or just be, you know, um, casual about, you know, what's going on in the world and be able to be conversational about it. That does inspire me because it's sometimes not easy to do. It's sometimes not easy to, to take your words and, and give them life. Um, but when you surround yourself with people that, um, that are used to doing that and are used to talking to you and know how you want to be talked to, um, it, it, it enables me, 
um, to say the things that I've always wanted to say and to play the chords that I've always wanted to play and to, um, you know, uh, just, just be my, my true self and, and tap into my true creative stream. Definitely. I mean, what about the kids? I mean, you got two kids who are, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is some inspiration. Yeah. I have, uh, two beautiful children and, um, you know, I, they inspire me on such a different level. Um, because everything I do is for them. Um, they Mm -hmm. inspire me not necessarily to write the most amazing song in the world, but they inspire me to wake up early and to go get it. They inspire me to, and of course they inspire me to write beautiful songs too. But what it, what amazes me about them being in my life is that I have a purpose. It's not for fame or fortune. It's to give children life beyond mine. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, that's, that's the other thing. I, 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 I make it, I, I make the analogy all the time. I tell people this, it like when you have kids, it's like when you finish your most favorite video game of all time and then you beat it and then they go, actually you can play this whole video game again, but backwards and upside down. <laughs> and you're like, what? And you get like a free whole game after you beat it. You like think you have it all figured out. You think everything, you know, everything. And then all of a sudden it's like your favorite video game all over again, just upside down and totally different because it's their lives, not yours, you know? And I love how uh, smart they are too. I mean, every time I've seen them there, they're teaching me something about dinosaurs. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely, I, I definitely walk so they can run. That is for sure. They're going to, they are going to thrive in this, this modern world. And I'm very excited for them because, uh, I'm trying to expose them to, uh, everything, um, to every person, to every scenario, um, to every good thing, to, to, to every bad thing, even though they're young, but like, I'm trying to, uh, and my wife too, of course, um, you know, try to, try to give them something that is that I never received something that's bigger than myself, you know? And they're they're literally already laying down music. I mean, yeah. One of them already got, got written up in his, in the newspaper for, from the music he made for his school. Right. Yeah. He's this, he's, uh, he's got, you're going to watch out for it. He's got, uh, a crazy music video coming out called Dino Stomp. That's the only plug. That's the only plug we can do. Yeah, that's the only plug. He's gonna. He's about to take the world over. He's trying to. He's trying to make lives better for kids his age, and I'm. I am here for it. What is Dino Stomp though? Oh, that is that is fun. That is a. It's a dance. It's like it's it's a movement. It's a movement. It's a. It's it's children's music that that adults can enjoy. And he, and he did it all himself. He, he took, he picked all the sounds, he played all the parts. And I just, I, he's just lucky that he's got a dad who knows what, where, where everything goes to make it sound good. Right. I mean, pizza Friday still gets stuck in my head. Oh yeah. Pizza Friday. That's a classic at this point. He's definitely a classic. Pizza Friday, pizza Friday. I mean, that's just as, 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 as the, uh, as the years go by, Pizza Friday still rings very true. Every Friday comes around and you go, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for some pizza. Right. I mean, I swear if it, if it wasn't past their bedtime, I would have had them on. Instead oh, of yeah. They would, I mean, I'd, listen, they they want me to go wake them up, but let's not go, let's not go there. <laughs> let's definitely not go there. That's so funny. I mean, what? so being a teacher and having – so many relationships with different folks and having great mentors. What, what words of wisdom would you share with people who you don't necessarily know or couldn't necessarily sit in a room with? Can you say that one more time? You kind of cut out for like two seconds. So let me rephrase. I mean, yeah. you had all of these different mentors throughout your life. Yeah. You've had all these great, these great inspirations. You've sat with a lot of different people face to face with incredible artists, celebrities, etc. Work with many, many, many of them what advice or words of wisdom would you share with people who you don't necessarily have the ability to sit down with? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, 
the, the, the best advice is there's two things. Okay. The number one thing for someone who's like, who's just trying to figure out what they're doing, right? Is that your most useful resource are the people that believe in you and it doesn't, they don't have to be big people. They're the people that are next to you doing it with you. Right. Um, that is something that is, has run, rang true very much in my life where we lift each other up. Right. And that, that is really important. The other thing that I can say is whack is the Siamese twin of dope. Like, like do not be afraid to, to just be out there and to do something that feels incorrect because most of the time it's not. And, uh, it's a really amazing thing to be able to create something that you might think like, Oh, this is, this is so silly. This is so ridiculous. This is not it. Most of the time people hear that and they go, what? This is amazing. And it, it it's like, it's like clockwork and you just have to allow yourself to get wild, to do this true thing and let yourself go get as close to being whack and corny and silly and funny and, and angry and this, you know, right. That, that brink of when it's too much, that's where it's good. I feel like that sums up you as a person for sure. Oh yeah, so. for sure. For sure. I think we can leave it at that. I, I appreciate you and thanks for taking the time for the talk. Thank you very much, my man. All right, brother. Speak soon. Hey folks, it's Ethan from Love Extremist Radio again. Thanks for tuning in to this special episode of Conversations with Creativity, hosted by Phil America. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please write a review on iTunes and share it with some creative friends. We appreciate your love and support. Peace.